Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a fellow YPOR from Australia, an absolutely incredible entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, and a businessman, Mr. Thomas Ng from, uh, to our show. Thomas, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. Hello, Ashutosh. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thomas is the founder and CEO of Janashtam Innovative Learning, an organization that has been recognized and felicitated globally. He's a partner with Raise SG, the Singapore Center for Social Enterprise. He spent 25 years in the corporate world before he decided to leave his, in his, in his words, decadent lifestyle and do something for the people. And as I just mentioned, he's a fellow YPO member. So Thomas, let's talk about Janashtim. I hope I have the pronunciation right. Tell yes, me about absolutely. this venture. Okay, so so Janesh Team was started with a um, almost now thirteen years ago with a very simple purpose, mm-hmm. you know. And in those days, there was no, I mean, I never heard of a social enterprise or exactly. working on the cloud or digitalization mm-hmm. and all that. It was just started with a very simple purpose. A simple purpose was was to try to find to try to put disabled people to employment. And these mm-hmm. are disabled people from the less developed economies, not, not from the, the well-developed economies. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So because they are the less developed economies, so it's, we, were, we have limitations, right? Because commuting is very hard for them. Mm-hmm. So we started actually in the Philippines. Uh, it was very hard. So, so we then thought about it and said, look, you know, even, even we bring them to the office, what they do the most of the time, they'll be on the phone, they'll be... On the, on the computer and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, well, why don't we then let them work from home, you know? <laughs> so, so and then the second thing was that, okay, so these people are disabled, they cannot run around, so what can we do, you know? So we thought, mm, in those just very, very early days, probably about six years too early, we looked into e-learning mm-hmm. and we looked into, you know, online support, digitalization of things and all that. So we actually, it was born out of limitations, right? We had limitations, mm-hmm. so... We said these are the, this is the stuff that we want to do, consider that we can do considering our limitations. Right. So some people have said to me, you know, of course, twelve years later, I mean, we are doing the right thing, right? We are a remote work company, correct? <laughs> and in e-learning and digitalization. So, so people say, oh, how come you're so visionary? But actually, you know, there's. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't take any credit for being a visionary. Mm-hmm. All these things came about because of our limitations. Wow. And, you know, imagine, I mean, thinking of work from home 12 years ago, I would say that is quite visionary, but uh, if you insist, I'll say, okay, but I mean, work from home has just seriously been discovered only now. But continuing with the conversation, I mean, you know, one, I understand that you wanted to help people, but what was the motivation to build an organization uh, to provide learning support to people with, with, which included disabilities, refugees, LGBTQ communities and seniors. Okay. So uh, what happened was that, you know, I told you that um, um, that I was a corporate man for 25 years. And mm-hmm. the last 15 years of that, I was an expat. So at those in those days, an Asian expat is quite rare, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so living the good life and all that. And I just found one day, I was, my, I was only 47 years old. I just found that it was such a toxic environment in the corporate world. And I didn't feel a sense of I'm achieving really anything. So I decided I'm going to take some time off. The family had actually moved to Melbourne already at that time. I thought I'll 
maybe take a few years off, spend time with the family and and then think think about what I want to do next, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that in those days, I mean, work for large companies in very senior positions, there's such a thing as a garden leaf clause in the contract. Right. So, so I got stuck. I didn't, I didn't even know what it meant, you know. Uh-huh. And so I, I got stuck. I tried to tell my, my, my employer, I said, look, I'm prepared to sign any document that I won't join any competitor. I won't even get a job for the next year. Mm. Uh, but no, they said, you stay put. We're paying you for one more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're on call, you know. So, so during the one year, I had no choice because... I've always been invited by fellow YPO members, uh, business council members, and and big chambers of commerce members to join their boards of uh, NGOs. You know, so I I was intrigued by this one particular NGO. It was a computer school for the blind. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, that's interesting. How does a blind person use the computer? Mm. And uh, when they did a presentation to me, I was totally kind of mesmerized and. Uh, I even had a competition with a blind guy who did the presentation. He was faster looking things for things on the internet than I was, you know. Okay. And so I said, but then what are you doing? You know, you have trained 500 blind people to use a computer. So what are they doing? Mm-hmm. So most of them actually went back to the province and did go back to basket weaving, massaging and playing music, you know. So I said, why can't I put them in the employment? So I took it upon myself to bring them to all my YPO friends, chambers of commerce friends and all that. Everybody's very impressed when I show them what they can do, you know. Mm. And then, but getting them actually employed uh, was really not so easy. There are so many, you know, issues. And, and after two and a half years, uh, my result was zero. So I thought, you know, screw all of you. <laughs> Sorry, pardon my French. Mm. You know, I said, I think they can work. So I'm going to set up a company and put them to work. And then, then only we decided what the heck are we going to do, you know. Correct. And that's when we thought through and said, okay, they have to work from home. So we do e-learning and we do digital work and we do online support. So that's how the whole thing came about. Wow. Wow. And uh, I was going to ask you about your challenges. You have mentioned one of them was to get them employed. But what have been some of your other challenges as you've built this? Well, I suppose everything, you know, everything was a challenge. I mean, you're thinking about doing a startup from, from scratch. You're talking about trying to promote e-learning uh, okay. during a time when you know people never heard of it, mm-hmm. and uh, and you try to hide the fact that everybody work from home. We don't have an office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you imagine in those days somebody giving you a business when you don't have an office? Correct. You know, so so I've been through all those uh, all those struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, also dealing with uh, people. The thing about hiring people with disabilities at that time, and even today, we're hiring refugees. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, in fact, for, for the people that we hire, I mean, probably 90% of them, this is their first and only job. Mm-hmm. Nobody has employed them. Many of them don't have a proper education. So we had to train them from scratch. So, and then in the early days, it's so funny because we had a situation in the company where the blind would gang up against the, the hearing impaired who gang up against the, <laughs> the ones in wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they started to have fights, you know. And I remembered about two, three years into the venture, I, I told them, I said, it's very simple, you guys. I don't need this. Mm. If you want to continue fighting, I'm going to turn off my computer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to turn it on again. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and then, you guys do and do whatever you want. You know, I said, I don't need this. I mean, and so so I think that that was a kind of a turning point when everybody started to realize that, you know, mm. this is their company. Correct. This is not my company, you know. <laughs> you know, so so I think that that changed things. Um well, I, 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 like I said, you know, I mean, it was really a struggle. We uh, lost money for six years straight. Mm-hmm. Um, seventh year, we started to break even. And um, for the next three or four years, uh, 
we were mildly profitable, but I was still not drawing a salary. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but in the last two years, we are good. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Very good. Fantastic. And, and you know, you know, Akshitos, the funny thing is that our big spike in growth and, 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 and success came because of uh, COVID-19. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you must have worked with so many different people. Uh, share with me some of the amazing successes you have had with some individuals who really turned out to be amazing. Okay, so I will talk about um, a few people. Number one is um, my first uh, PWD hire was actually Ryan. Uh -huh. Ryan is uh, from the Philippines. He was uh, born with, uh, well, he had polio at an early age. So he was in a wheelchair from the age of two. Well, actually, he never actually was able to walk, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and he had he has um, partial use of one hand, mm -hmm. and he's blind in one eye. Oh, okay. So when I hired him, you know, he was living in the slums, and um, he was mm -hmm. he bought an old dot matrix printer. He got an whole PC held together by Elastoplast, mm -hmm. and he was leeching internet from his neighbor or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he ran a small business to do printing for the local. Uh, stores, you know, I mean, uh, because they need to print invoices, right? Right. So, so that was his thing, right? And, uh, and in fact, during his business, many people cheated him of money too, you know, didn't mm. pay him and all that. So when I hired him, that was, that was his background. He was already in his 30s, you know. Mm. Mm. Today, he is running a production department. Mm -hmm. Production department has about 28 people. Okay. <laughs> we have got um, creative department, programming, mm. web development, e-learning design, instructional designers and all that. Mm -hmm. He's doing jobs for the Singapore government. Uh, water, water utility board, he did jobs for Microsoft. You know, I mean, I mean that is really a success story, right? Absolutely. Today he's really, uh, you know, uh, a success story. He lives in a house, he has a car, you know, <laughs> his wife who has one arm does the driving for him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's breeding, he's breeding uh, pedigree dogs. Amazing. So that is his life today. I think uh, his his cell phone is better than mine. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. <laughs> you know? Fantastic. And uh, yeah. tell you another one is really mm -hmm. Viliano, also Filipino, blind. He turned blind at the age of, of 18. He was uh, teaching in a school, for a special needs school. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's his wife's uh, school. And um, so he started, because he speaks English very well, he started by English coaching for us. And he went through many, many different departments in the company. He's also now 11 years in the company. Today, he manages two departments, our product department for Econel. So he's the overall product manager. And he also manages a client um, services department and also more than 20 people un under him. Incredible. Across the world. The people are all over the world. Wow. The third one I'd like to mention is my executive assistant. Her mm -hmm. name is Nadia. Mm -hmm. Nadia is uh, based in Malaysia. She's cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. She is below her neck. She can only move the tip of one finger of her right hand. Wow. She cannot move the whole finger, just the tip. Wow. And with that, she works. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So these are people who will be so inspiring, I think. Absolutely. You know? These are really inspiring stories. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I got one more. Sorry. I have one more girl, Therese. Yeah. yeah. She's in Cebu, Philippines. She's a client support for eCornell. So she look after our people from, from different countries who apply to, to study in the, for the eCornell program. Mm. She's uh, paralyzed from the neck down. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she operates the computer purely by voice. Okay. And she cannot breathe on her own. She's on the ventilator 24-7. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Look at how you've really given them absolutely amazing new lives. 
But, you know, Thomas, when I was reading about you, I also uh, was fascinated to read that you are leveraging technology to connect marginalized communities. Uh, how are you doing this? So you think about it, right? Today, we have 140 people working from home across almost 20 countries, you know, in six continents. Mm -hmm. They're serving clients in more than 10 countries, mostly uh, multinational companies and um, government departments. Uh, we have no office anywhere. 60% mm -hmm. of our people are people with disabilities, 20% are refugees, 10% are either seniors, LGBTQ, uh, other marginalized groups. We have girls working for us who are in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. you know? So, so because of technology, they can actually work from where they are mm -hmm. and then when, in spite of their limitations and their constraints and deliver their services to multinational clients and government departments around the world. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't that be leveraging technology internet to connect them to the global economy? Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, and uh, as you work across multiple countries and multiple continents, how are you handling the whole aspect of different cultures within such a diverse organization? Ah, so that's actually the most challenging, challenging thing, right? Mm -hmm. So what we did is we actually developed what we call the Janeshkin culture. Mm -hmm. So I tried to tell everybody, look, we have full respect for your culture, for your background and whatever it is, race, religion, everything. Mm -hmm. And we are really a diverse group of people. We have people from really multiple colors and, and you know, <laughs> and, and religions and all that, right? Um, but we said, when you join this company, you leave it all behind and you adopt the company culture. Mm -hmm. so, so that's actually something we try to instill in everybody. Mm. And uh, it, it takes a bit of effort. Um, but if everybody recognizes just that we understand each other and we don't, otherwise everybody will have to keep thinking about now I'm dealing, you know, we have people in, can I run through the countries we have people in? Mm -hmm. We have China, Philippines, Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, Macedonia, Tunisia, Afghanistan, Portugal, mm -hmm. um, Ghana, South Africa, Jamaica, Mexico, Venezuela, Colombia. Canada. Wow. So how do That's we deal with the different correct. cultures? <laughs> correct. Correct. I agree. And therefore, so, you're probably evolving your own Janashtim culture. And Yes. Uh, yes. And we have a lot of uh, funny things in our culture, which uh, maybe is weird to a lot of people. Hmm. Fascinating. So one last question about Janashtim before I move to the next segment. Hmm. Uh, you also must are working across multiple age groups because you said you've got the seniors that also at one end yeah. and differently able people. How are the younger, the, the millennials and the Gen Zs of your mm. uh, organization adapting? Mm. How is it you know, to manage them and, and how are they different? So, you know, I was 50 years old already, just about 50 when started Janesh team, right? And basically, we are a, um, we are a um, digital play, right? And we are a technology company, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so how does a 50-year-old person, you know, in those days, I mean, uh, you know, do this, right? So actually, Genetim was started by a bunch of millennials. So mm -hmm. at that time, my daughter has just graduated and mm -hmm. she hadn't decided what she wanted to do. So I said, then you come and work for me. That was, she was 21 years old. Okay. And then I had in the office, at that, I mean, in, in, the, in the company at that time, a few girls, Mm -hmm. um, I think one was 23, one was 24, one was 26, you know, 
So they are the ones who started this company. And I, and I remember during one of the meetings it was totally amazing to me because, you know, I'm, I come from the old, old school kind of a management style, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, in a, in a meeting and we're trying to solve a problem, you know, with you know, the business that we just started mm-hmm. and everybody brought their laptops. So we were clacking away at their, at their keyboards. Mm-hmm. And every time we came out a problem, then they said, oh, I just found the solution, you know, and then pull the, 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 overhead projector cable, plug it in and say, oh, we found this. And then, oh, I, I just chatted with somebody from Holland and, you know, there's this solution. Every time it came out a problem, they would be, you know, searching the world mm. and they come up with a solution. And you walk away from the meeting and you say, you know, in the old days, I would be the one speaking at a meeting, telling them these are all the problems. And then they go away and they take one week they come back with some proposals, you know. Right. I mean, now we solve the problem on the spot. So that's how the company was started. Mm. And today, Everything we do is around using technology, using in interaction, collaboration. And the old people that we have, including myself, I'm 64, right? We'll have to really adapt, right? And, and, and we have found people who can, I mean, we have somebody who joined us Correct. at the age of 70, you know, who did very well. In fact, mm-hmm. this week, we have a new finance director starting is also 70 years old. Wow. <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. What an amazing journey you've got. Uh, you had so far but moving on Thomas now let's talk about raise SG the Singapore Center for Social Enterprise Hmm. tell me about the objectives of this initiative so uh, raise Singapore is the social uh, enterprise authority of Singapore so Mm -hmm. in Singapore the the study was uh, conducted I think by Hong Kong funded by Hong Kong Bank Mm-hmm. that there are 6,000 social enterprises in Singapore. So they are these self-proclaimed social enterprises. Mm-hmm. But in race, the number of companies approved under race is less than 400. Mm-hmm. So, th- so you have to apply and you have to you know, comply and be interviewed and comply with, uh, with all the requirements. So in July last year, race actually approached us and asked us whether we would outsource this work for them or not you know so so since then we have been the ones so if you apply to be a social enterprise in singapore we interview you and we write the report uh, recommendation to the management okay now the thing is why would uh, why would race come to us right so you know because we have been a b corp certified company since 2015 mm-hmm. we also made it to the top ranks among b corps we call it best for the world among b corps every year since we got certified and then because of this, in 2018, Singapore Business Federation asked us to run workshops for them okay. to convince their SME uh, companies uh, to incorporate CSR into their business. Okay. So we've okay. been running this now. I think this is the third year or fourth year already even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that gives us a credibility. And so when Race Singapore... Uh, saw us and in fact they met me when I made a presentation at the magic conference in Malaysia and they said come to our office and they said can you do this for us right Mm -hmm. so we've been doing that and the fact that we are doing that Areba the ASEAN Responsible and Inclusive Business Alliance approached us to help them set the same thing up for the members you know to to review their members and to categorize them and all that so we have been doing this since the beginning of this year Mm -hmm. and because of this a few months ago, we got a contract with B-Lab Global. Wow. And today, we are 26 verification analysts employed by us, mm-hmm. outsourcing the verification work for people who want to apply to be B-Corp around the world. Mm-hmm. So we have people all over the world. So now we're actually doing things in, on a global platform Quite for sustainability. Quite amazing. Wow. So I'm now going to move to the last segment of our conversation, Thomas. Uh, and this is 
for a lot of the young people um, who love to get to know my guest a little better. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first question to you is that, you know, you spent, you said that senior corporate executive and then decided to leave your decadent lifestyle and mm-hmm. form Janestim. Uh, what would you say are three key milestones or pivot points in your life or your career? Okay. The, I suppose the first one is that, you know, I came from a lower middle class family in Penang. Mm-hmm. My father was a school teacher. My mother was a homemaker. So, you know, we're not really um, uh, the privileged, uh, you know, from the privileged society. So. Correct. I, but I managed to get uh, admitted to a university in, in New Zealand, the University of Auckland. And I managed to get my uncle to guarantee me to be there. And my father just turned 50, could take out one third of his uh, EPF to buy me a one-way ticket. Okay. And so I worked my, wife through, my, I worked my life through, um, worked through university to support myself. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was the biggest break I had because... Wow. Mm-hmm. And there was no other way I would have been able to, you know, to, to, to actually get a proper, you know, education in that sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was number one. So I, I actually managed to go over, get to overseas to get a university degree with no money. <laughs> okay. Yes. Number two, I think I have to say is my wife. Um, it's been 36 years of marriage mm-hmm. and I just still feel it's a very, you know, we feel very newly, uh, like newlyweds. <laughs> <laughs> even with this lockdown for almost two years, you know, we didn't drive each other nuts. Okay. Uh, because prior to that, I was traveling about 70% of the time, you know. Mm. So, um, and the other thing about my wife is that she let me do this. Mm. How many wives would let you do this? You know, when I told her I was going to do this with Janesh Tim. Mm. And, uh, and I said to her, I said, look, I promise you one thing, you know, I wouldn't sell the house. I wouldn't mortgage the house. I would just use up our entire life savings, which I did, by the way. <laughs> and you know what she said to me at that time? She turned around and said, you know what? We could have a smaller house. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So that's the, that's the Jen in Janesh team. Her name is Genevieve. Okay. Okay. Um, so that was actually something, I mean... Without her behind me, I don't think, first of all, I even have a good corporate career. I wouldn't have, you know, started Janesh team and I wouldn't have held out for so long because, you know, we were bootstrapping for so many years, right? Mm. Uh, of course, the third thing of is really starting this company. I mean, this is something which is totally crazy, almost insane and probably irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> but look at what you've you know, turned it around into incredible. Yeah, but you know, you touch and go. There were several times which I almost thought that's it. We are, we are done, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So I have time for two more questions. And I'm going to ask you the question will be, what are the core values you believe in now? Mm, okay. So for me, you know, I always like to say that, or like to think that I'm a very simple person, um, simple-minded. And um, so I think for me, sincerity, authenticity, and integrity are very important to me. Okay. And, uh, you know, people I deal with. Uh, and also the other thing that's really quite um, important for me is uh, substance over form. Because in my corporate life, in my business life, even in my, you know, social entrepreneur life, you see so much being done on show uh, when in reality, you know, it's totally different, you know. True. I think substance over form for me is very, very significant. Fascinating. And my last question to you, Thomas, and this is a question on failure. Mm -hmm. 
I've often said that uh, parents in South Asia or Southeast Asia or East Asia don't teach children it's okay to fail. We're always taught first in class, head of the line, et cetera, et cetera. And yet we make mistakes, we fail, and we learn. Mm. My question to you is, what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes? So, you know, um, one of the things, uh, one of the culture of our company is uh, this concept of um, uh, making good decisions rather than making right decisions. So it's, it's okay to make wrong decisions as long as it's a good decision. Good decision means that you make the decision with the proper consideration and input and, and research, right? And, and the right decision could be just punting, you know. So I don't want anybody punting to make the right decision, right? Okay. So, so because of that, I, I, I tell everybody, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you can justify why you make the decision. So because of that, yeah, they keep telling everybody, I make mistakes all the time, you know. And, and I, I mentioned early on through the life of Janash team over 12 years, I mean, I mean, it, we, we have, I would say we have actually failed many, 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 many times, you know. And, but what I found is that the following, if I can tell the, the younger people is that setbacks, you, you, you look at setbacks and, and think about setbacks happening for a reason. And most of the time I find that when I have setbacks, uh, you know, it gives me the opportunity to refocus and to think outside the box and how can I get around this, right? Mm. And I think that builds your, your, your capability you know, and your resourcefulness. So, so I think we should look at failure as, I mean, everybody says that as a learning moment, right? Yeah. Amazing. Thomas, thank you so much. I mean, I can just say one word, which is wow. I mean, thank I, you, thank I, you so much. I have honestly seldom been inspired so much after a conversation as I have after speaking to you. Thank you for you know, taking me through this incredible journey of Janashtim. Thank you for talking to me about how, you know, you just hung in there for so many years. And I'm sure this is just the beginning of some amazing success ahead. Thank you. I hope so. Thank you so much, Ashutosh. And thank you for inviting me and speaking to me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.